Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening in with us today on our podcast, For the Sake of the Child. Our podcasts are brought to you by the Military Child Education Coalition, whose work is focused on ensuring quality educational opportunities for all military-connected children affected by mobility, family separation, deployments, and transition. Here at the MSEC, we want to ensure that every military child is college, workforce, and life ready. In our podcast, we will share your stories as we talk to military service members, professionals, parents, and military kids. Please like, share, and subscribe. And we appreciate your comments, questions, and ideas for topics that you would like to hear more about. This is Tara Gleason, the producer. This podcast has actually been sponsored. We want to thank the Hickam Officer Spouses Club. Their welfare team sets the standard for the OSC philanthropy, and they earn funds through the Hickam Thrift Shop, and they distribute those profits as grants and scholarships. While the Military Child Education Coalition, for the sake of the child podcast, received one of those grants. So we want to thank the Hickam Officer Spouses Club. And if you happen to be near Joint Base Pearl Harbor Hickam, stop by the thrift shop. It's open year round and the profits at the thrift shop are the sole source of the funding for the Hickam Officer Spouses Club charitable endeavors. So thank you again, Hickam Officer Spouses Club, for sponsoring this podcast. I also want to let our listeners know to keep listening because there's some new bonus content at the end of this podcast that talks in more detail about the changes to the Forever GI Bill. So stay tuned to the very end. Thanks, everybody. Hi, welcome everyone to our podcast, For the Sake of the Child. Our topic today is military children using transferred GI Bill benefits. I'm Katya Pinkston. I'm a parent educator, researcher, and webinar developer for the Military Child Education Coalition. I am also a parent and the spouse of a retired service member, and our son is currently a freshman in college. Joining me today is Karen Beatty. Thank you so much for being here today. Ms. Beatty, can you tell our audience a little bit about yourself? Sure, thank you. Hello, Ms. Pinkston. I am the VA Benefits Advisor in Wiesbaden, Germany, and I help service members and veterans and their family members navigate and apply for their VA benefits. I have two sons, one who graduated college three years ago, and he's getting married in June, and one who's a senior in college. Again, thanks for being here, Ms. Beatty. So today we want to talk about details regarding military dependents who are using the service members post 9-11 GI Bill or the forever GI Bill benefits. Many service members do what we did as a military family and they transfer their benefits to their children. I know that service members can transfer up to 36 months or the portion of their GI Bill benefits that they have not used yet. So, Ms. Beatty, if service members are interested in transferring their benefits, what do they need to do? Where do they start? I know that there have been some recent changes. Good question. Um, The best place to start when you want to do the transfer of your education benefits would be to talk to your retention counselor or your career counselor in your unit. They can, they're the ones that know how the transfer of entitlement works the best. They know what the requirements are with regard to the four year extra duty that you have to do. So I would start there. And then when you're ready to do the transfer of your GI Bill 
benefits, you go to Mill Connect and you can log in with your CAT card and you can do the transfer there under Transfer of Education Benefits, the TEB tab. And then after that, you'll get notification back and then you'll know whether or not it was approved. I see. So can service members transfer their entitlements to several benefits? So let's take an example. If a military family has three children, can the service member then transfer benefits to all three children, or do they have to pick one child who gets all the benefits? No, absolutely. They can, um, as long as the family member is listed in DEERS, the service member can transfer benefits to them. It is best to transfer at least one month to every single family member, even the babies. Once the transfer is approved, months can be moved around even after the service member leaves the service. The, the service member always retains the rights to his or her GI Bill benefits. So if a dependent child joins the military and earns their own benefit, then the service member or veteran can revoke those months in MillConnect and use it for themselves. So let's say the service member has transferred the benefits to their children and one child is graduating from high school and going on to college. So at this point to get the process started, what does the service member need to do? So when a dependent is ready to use their benefits, they need to apply for their Certificate of Eligibility or COE and they do this by going to vets.gov. Uh, that's the website where you can apply and the beginning of the application and begin the application process. They'll answer a series of questions to make sure that they're completing the correct form, which is the 1990E. In order for a dependent child to apply for their benefits, they must be 18 or have graduated from high school. So if a child is 17, they have to wait until they've graduated from high school to get that certificate of eligibility. Yeah, if they're going to be 17 when they graduate, yeah. So that's very important to know. And Miss Beatty, let's also talk about the Yellow Ribbon Program. People sometimes use the terms GI Bill and Yellow Ribbon Program interchangeably. So what is this Yellow Ribbon Program? The Yellow Ribbon Program is a voluntary fee match program between the school and the VA. Um, the Yellow Ribbon applies to programs in private schools whose tuition costs are higher than the capped tuition amount that VA will pay in an academic school year. Currently, that rate is $23,671. Without going into too much detail, basically the Yellow Ribbon Program helps close or mitigate the out-of-pocket costs for private schools or other programs with higher tuition. The school will put forth an amount of money towards the out-of-pocket costs for the student, and then the VA will match that amount. The yellow ribbon rates and schools can be found using the GI Bill comparison tool, which is also on vets.gov. So as a parent, how do I find out if the college my student is looking at is a VA-approved institution of higher learning and if the school is participating in that Yellow Ribbon program or not? That's a good question. The website to check if a school is GI Bill approved is called Weems Public. And usually I just Google Weems Public and it's the first link that comes up. And the site will show all of the schools worldwide that have been GI Bill approved. 
And then using the GI Bill comparison tool will help parents see whether or not the student school of choice participates in the Yellow Ribbon Program. Reams also does show whether or not schools participate in the Yellow Ribbon Program, but they don't give specifics, including how many Yellow Ribbon spaces there are or how much the school contributes to the out-of-pocket costs. Let's stay with talking about out-of-pocket costs. So when we do our parent-to-parent -parent workshops, we hear a lot of questions about in-state tuition. Can you talk about if my student is using the GI Bill, will they automatically get in-state tuition rates? Well, the short answer to that question is maybe. If the student is the dependent of a veteran and is using transfer benefits, then yes, they will get in-state tuition because of the law of the Choice Act which is chapter 702, it requires that all state schools provide in-state tuition to anyone using GI Bill benefits. However, they have to use the benefit within three years of the veteran's separation or discharge or retirement from active duty. For dependents of active duty service members, there are many programs for them using the GI Bill benefits that waive out-of-state tuition costs. So parents, should check with their VA school certifying official to discuss the different tuition rates and waivers. So what happens if a child has used up all of the GI Bill benefits, but they haven't finished with college yet? Will the parents then have to pay out-of-state tuition for their student? Well, again, the answer to that question is maybe, but it really depends on the school and their tuition policies. Um, unfortunately, the GI Bill will not cover a dependent through to the end of a semester or school year. So if a student is going to exhaust GI Bill benefits prior to the end of that semester or school year, parents will want to talk with the VA certifying official and or the financial aid counselors to see what payment options they have. And yes, that makes sense to talk with a VA certifying official before the benefits actually run out. And another question I have is about those months. So earlier I mentioned that the benefits are a maximum of 36 months. What happens if my child doesn't go to college for an entire month? Let's use December for an example. So right now we have a college freshman and he went on a semester break around the 15th of December. Does the VA still count it as an entire month even though he only went to school for two weeks during December? Nope. The GI Bill benefits are counted down in months and days. They're prorated. So oftentimes when a service member or a veteran contacts the GI Bill department to find out how many months they have left on their benefit, they'll get an answer in months and days. Additionally, the monthly housing allowance that we're going to talk about here in a minute is also prorated. So students won't receive the full amount of the housing allowance if they don't attend the full month as in your example of December. Uh, so you just mentioned the housing. Is the housing and textbook stipend, is that all also prorated? Nope, only the housing allowance is prorated. So like in your example, uh, your son went to school until December 15th. He received benefits, the housing allowance from December 1st to December 15th. However, the book stipend is set and it pays up to $1,000 per academic school year. And it's usually paid out at the beginning of the semester or the quarter. 
I see. So you just said that students get a monthly housing allowance and that book stipend. Just to clarify, the school doesn't get that money, but the student gets those funds directly from the VA. Exactly, yes. Um, but as stated earlier, the housing allowance is based on attendance. The VA school certifying official reports the student's attendance the month after the student has attended classes. So therefore, with regard to dorm rooms, um, the housing allowance is not paid when the dorm room costs are due. So parents often have to pay that bill and have the monthly housing allowance deposited into their bank account to recoup those initial housing costs. And that's good to know so parents aren't surprised that they have to pay first and then they get reimbursed. Mm -hmm. So, Ms. Beatty, what are some things that you wish everyone knew about in regards to post-secondary education and using those transferred GI Bill benefits? I think one of the most important things to remember with regard to the VA is that they are slow. <laughs> example, <laughs> housing allowances won't usually be paid until the middle of the next month after a student has attended. So if they started school in August, they won't receive their monthly housing allowance for August until the middle of September or possibly October based on the processing time of the claim. And in addition, if a student falls below full-time enrollment status, which is determined by the school. The school determines enrollment status. The VA may keep paying the full-time housing allowance rate. So therefore, the student will incur a debt because they were overpaid. This also applies if a student fails a class for non-attendance. Remember that the housing allowance is really an attendance stipend. So if a student is failing a class, it's better to keep attending and take the class over because the GI Bill will pay for a student to take a failed class again. And I really, really want to emphasize how important it is to have a good ongoing relationship with the VA school certifying official. This is the person or people who are your student's liaison to the VA. The information they report to the VA and the timeliness of their reporting have a direct impact on the benefits the student receives. So knowing this person will help parents and students understand the process at a much deeper level. And lastly, every school is different, so learn and know your school. Most schools have groups or centers specifically for students using GI Bill benefits. I think parents and students should seek those groups out and utilize their knowledge and their support. These are all great points to know. Thank you so much for sharing that. One last question, Ms. Beatty. How can military families find out more information if they want to talk to somebody or if they have more questions? Well, a parent and a student's best resource at school is the VA certifying official. They should be the expert regarding utilizing GI Bill benefits at that specific institution. But if you haven't chosen a school yet or you want to do more research, vets.gov is a great resource regarding GI Bill information. And the VA has also developed a website called explore.va.gov where you can find out a lot more information regarding using GI Bill benefits and other VA benefits. So again, that website was explore.va.gov. Yes. So, 
again, getting to know that VA certifying official at the school, I just realized that is one of the best tips for us parents. I want to thank you, Ms. Beatty, for taking the time today to talk about military children using transferred GI Bill benefits. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Following this discussion, we are now going to have an after show where we will elaborate on some points about VA benefits. With me here is Louise Webb, and we're going to talk some more about VA benefits. Hi, I'm Louise Webb. Uh, like Katya, I'm also the spouse of a retired service member, and we both currently have or have had kids in college. One thing that resonated with me is when uh, Miss Beatty mentioned during the podcast that it's vital that we as parents talk to our student about dropping classes. Yes, I absolutely agree. I personally know a family with a college student who dropped classes and didn't tell the parents. So the VA kept funding the student at the 100% benefit rate when the student actually was no longer a full-time student. And after the college submitted the attendance record of that student, the family ended up paying back the VA. Paying back the VA is one thing if you know about it, but if your student doesn't tell you that they're no longer carrying a full load, then it can come as a surprise when you have to pay that money back. So the lesson learned is please make sure that your student knows that if they drop classes and are no longer considered a full-time student, that you could owe the VA money back if they funded your student at that 100% full-time rate. And the other point that she mentioned that is good to know is that it's a good idea to make sure that your student is looking at so-called military-friendly schools or schools that are approved by the VA, especially if you're going to use that yellow ribbon program. Yes, because not all schools participate in that yellow ribbon program. So we can check online by using the GI Bill comparison tool to check if a college or a university is participating in the program. And in the end, it makes sense to know all your financial options before the student commits to a college. And also another great point that she mentioned is to seek out the VA certifying official at the college that your student is interested in going. And as she said, every school is different and it's always a good idea to check first with the school so you can make an informed decision and they can answer your questions. Hey everybody, it's Tara again. I have some special bonus content, a question and answer session between Karen and Katya after our live webinar on the post 9-11 GI Bill and its updates. So after you listen here, if you still have questions or want more information, join us in on that webinar. It was recorded and it's free on our website at www.militarychild.org. So listen in for some bonus content and Q&A from Katya and Karen. We've had several questions. One of the first ones was, Karen, can you talk a little bit more about what happens on July 12, 2019 with the post 9-11 GI Bill? I think that was in reference to transferring benefits. And um, the lady said, my husband has already transferred his month mm -hmm. to our children, but our oldest won't start college until August or September 2019. 
and my husband is active duty with 20 plus years. Can you please address that question again? Yeah, absolutely. So when, if your husband already has an approved transfer, then you don't have to worry about July 12, 2019. The regulation that came down from DOD that's going to going into effect in July 12, 2019 is for service members who haven't transferred their benefits yet and have more than 16 years in on active duty. So I've had a lot of people come in here and want to transfer their benefits and they're at 17 years or 18 years and they're willing to do that extra time. But I, in July of 2019, those people won't be able to transfer their benefits anymore. They'll, they'll, they won't be approved. But if you already have an approved transfer and, and your kiddo hasn't used the benefits yet, you're fine. It won't affect anybody with an approved transfer already. Okay, so yeah, that is very good to know. Thank you for addressing that. Can you elaborate a little bit more on the new rules under that new registration? I know you just mentioned it, but under the new rules, uh, service members have to commit to and be eligible to be retained for another four years. Do you have any idea what would affect a service member's eligibility? Or if they have questions, who do they need to talk to? Ah, that's a good question. Well, certain things that could affect a service member's eligibility to transfer their benefits would be whether or not they're able to fulfill the four-year obligation that's going to be tacked on. And that four years is concurrent. So if your service member is an officer or, you know, just recently re-enlisted, that four years is going to be concurrent. It's not going to be added on top of the extra time they have. So as like an officer, if they have a, a, an ADSO of three years, they're just going to actually end up doing an extra year because of the four-year commitment. Does that? I hope that makes sense. Things that would alter that could be if they are in the med board process and they're going to be med boarded out, or if the human resources part of the DOD determines that their position is no longer needed because they have too many of that position. I've seen that happen with the Army. It's called RCP. And those kind of events could affect the transfer of entitlement. The best person for a service member to talk to is their career counselor or their retainment counselor. They have to talk to somebody when they re-enlist in their unit. That is the person that would know the most about that extra service obligation and what that would look like. Mm -hmm. So in a case like that, let's say you have transferred. How can you check to see if the transfer was approved? So the service member is going to log into Mill Connect with their CAT card or their, I think they're called CAT cards throughout all the uh, military. They'll log into Mill Connect and that is where they'll do the transfer request. Usually, I know for Army, it takes about 24 to 48 hours for that request to be approved or denied, and the service member gets an email from HRC. That's on the Army side. I'm not 100% sure how it works on the other branches, but normally they'll get an, an email, or you can check back into Mill Connect, and it will show on the transfer of benefit page whether or not it was uh, approved, and then it will show that obligation end date. 
change their date of when they can separate from the military. Another question is during our parent-to-parent -parent workshops, we have had parents ask if their student can use GI Bill benefits to take dual enrollment or college level classes while they're still in high school. Can they do that? That is a wonderful question. What I do know is the student has to be at least 18 years old to use their GI Bill benefits or have graduated high school. So again, if they're taking college level classes through a university or some kind of college level program, a VA certifying official would be the one I would talk to about that if the, if the student is still in high school as well, because they're going to be the ones who are the subject matter experts on how the GI Bill applies to their programs in their university. So that talking to that VA certifying official seems to be really critical. Uh, let me also ask you, Karen, is the GI Bill going to pay for study abroad? If a student wants to use it overseas, yes. Right. Yes, the GI Bill is approved all over the world. And where they can find out whether or not their school is GI Bill approved is at that Weems website that the VA puts out. What happens if you use your GI Bill benefits overseas, though, the stipulation is it has to be a degree-seeking program or an institution of higher learning. So a student would not be able to attend like a culinary arts school in Paris or train for a vocational program. Uh, that does not work overseas. It has to be an institution of high, uh, higher learning. Karen, I also wanted to know, a lot of people visit you throughout the day. What are some of the main questions that people ask when they come into your office? One of the biggest questions I get is, how many credits do I have to take to be considered full-time? And I love that question because actually it depends on the school. The school program determines how many classes are considered full-time. For master's degree programs, a lot of times it's two classes. If, uh, and six credits if the classes are hybrid, online and face-to-face. -face. And so really, again, I always steer people back to the VA certifying official <laughs> because they are the subject matter expert about their, uh, the student's enrollment status, how many credits they need to take to be eligible for the full housing allowance. But that's one of the big questions I get. Are there any things that you wish everyone knew about in regards to the post-9-11 GI Bill or the Yellow Ribbon programs or, or some things that you always make sure that your clients know before they leave your office? I always make sure they have the link to the GI Bill comparison tool and to Weems. And I usually sit down with them and go through both of those websites with them so that they can make a really good informed decision about how and where to use this benefit, how they're going to get the most education for this benefit, this greatly earned benefit. And there's also a really great website that the VA just put out called the Submit a Question website. That is a great resource to get GI Bill questions answered. Yeah, that, that is wonderful to know. And you can also, the other good thing about this website is the student or uh, the sponsor, they, they just create a username and password, and they can send information to the VA or a question to the VA um, specific to their situation. I love this website. I use it all the time. For instance, when a service member needs to upload a DD-214 because they want to use a period of service to show that they're eligible for GI Bill benefits. 
we go into that website and they upload it there. Mm -hmm. so, it's Thank new. you so much for sharing that. Sure. That's awesome. So let's say I, I need more help and I need to really want to talk to, to a person. How can parents get in touch with a VA benefits advisor? So there are VA benefits advisors at every military facility all over the world. So they need to go to their transition assistance program building, and that is where they will find the VA benefit advisors or people who know where the VA benefit advisors are. Stateside also, I think almost every single post has what's called a military service coordinator and uh, they can answer GI Bill questions. And there's also veteran service organizations like the Veterans of Foreign Wars, American Legion, Disabled American Veterans. They are also trained in GI Bill benefits and can answer questions. And then universities also, a lot of them have veteran-specific or GI Bill user-specific centers where people can get information. So there are a variety of resources that, that parents can access. How soon should the family reach out to their VA benefit advisor? Once everything has been transferred, is it during the senior year or junior year? What do you recommend? It depends on the family. I, if you want to do a lot of research into what school is, is a better school, you could start in junior year. They just won't be able to apply for their certificate of eligibility until they've graduated high school or turned 18. So, but you can do all that research before, before they're even a senior in high school. So, and I know there's a lot of work that goes in on that end as well. They've got to, you know, apply to the schools, write the essays, apply for the scholarships. So students are pretty busy their senior year. With regard to timeline, of getting that certificate of eligibility, though, that's kind of tricky. So if your student has a summer birthday, you'll want to apply, but plans on going to college that fall, you'll want to apply for that certificate of eligibility as soon as they graduate high school. Because uh, to get the certificate of eligibility, it can take up to four weeks to get it in the mail, and they only mail it. For us, it took more like six weeks or, or even probably even seven or eight, to be honest right. with you. Definitely took some time. But VA certifying officials can help with that too. If a, if, a certi if a certificate of eligibility doesn't show up and you're at the college ready to start, get with the VA certifying official and they can get that certificate of eligibility from the VA for you. That is very good to know. We are very grateful, Karen, that you took the time out of your busy schedule to join us today. Aren't you glad you stuck around for the bonus content? I've got to tell you, through this process, I've learned a lot about the post-9-11 GI Bill. Stay tuned, and next week, join us as we talk to Eric Waldo from Reach Higher and Civic Nation. He's going to talk about inspiring children to get a post-secondary education. So join us again next week, everyone. Have a great weekend. I want to thank you again for listening to our podcast, For the Sake of the Child. We would like to invite you to visit our website at www.militarychild.org. Like the MSEC on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Please join us again next time as we share more stories that impact our military-connected kids. <laughs>